0: Hello, and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Meckler. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Hey, everyone. Happy Sunday. Of course, this is the Sunday Night Battle Cry. I'm your host, Mark Meckler. Glad to be with you. And uh, this might be our closeout for the year. I will, we'll talk to producer G and see what we're doing. But... I'm feeling it's going to be because we're heading into the holidays, whatever you celebrate this time of year, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas. We celebrate both of those in our houses, in our house here in uh, Texas. We've got the big menorah up. we got the big Christmas tree up. I've got the Christmas music playing. Yes, I do love that kind of time of year around here. I do decorate the house. I'm the guy that does the decorations around here because I love it. So we got candles everywhere. We got garland everywhere. The tree is huge. The menorah is huge. We love it all. And I love it because family comes in house feels warm and cozy. The candles are lit. Uh, smells like pumpkin pie. And just the season just makes me happy because it reminds me of having family around. And so I encourage you guys do the same, gather with family, enjoy yourselves really kind of cocoon and remember what's important this time of year. And and for me obviously it's remembering the reason for the christmas season uh, as somebody who is a follower of jesus christ i'm celebrating the birth of christ uh, the story of hanukkah i encourage you to look at the story of hanukkah if you haven't done that look up the true story of hanukkah because it's really not about a miracle of eight days of oil that a lot of people here they think there's only one day oil burned for eight days it's really a story of anti-cultural assimilation and the maccabees fighting back against the roman empire to prevent the Roman Empire from imposing their culture on the Jewish culture there in Jerusalem in the Holy Land. So cool story, great time of year. I'm glad you guys are with me. And this is a time of year and uh, and a time in our country's history to remember to be adaptable, to be flexible, to be prepared for anything and everything because the only constant is change. And I can tell you for sure right now, everything's changing. Our political system is changing. Our social and cultural system is changing. We see a lot of stuff changing for the worse. I I mean, you've seen it, all the trans stuff, the drag stuff, the CRT stuff, the political corruption stuff. But I think there's an underlying change coming, and I'm excited about that change. I think we, in our country, are headed back to federalism. I think we're headed back to faith. I think we're headed back to liberty. You might call me a Pollyanna. You can do that. I am definitely a glass half full kind of a guy. I'm in the fight. There's no quit in me. And that requires flexibility and adaptability and it requires a good attitude. And so I want to say, just remember during times of change, the best thing you can do to be happy and to be successful, and this is true anytime throughout your life, is be adaptable and be flexible. Uh, Have a great attitude. One of the few things you can control in life is your attitude. Lots of stuff's going to happen to us politically and otherwise. And the way that you keep your wits about you is by controlling your attitude. So great attitude, holiday kind of attitude this time of year. That's my call to action is be adaptable, be flexible, because things are changing. Things are really changing at Twitter, in case you hadn't noticed. Elon Musk is there. Uh, he's laid off somewhere. I keep seeing different numbers between 50 and 80% of the employees. Remember the employees said "Oh, it was just going to crash. It was going to fall off the edge of the internet as if we had a flat earth internet, right? It was just gonna fall off the edge and fail to function. Well, here he is with somewhere between a 50 and 80% staff cut, meaning saving literally hundreds of millions, ultimately billions of dollars for the company, uh, just cutting away the fat, cutting away all these crazy services that they had for staff, cutting away the free lunches for staff, all this crazy stuff, massages, yoga, whatever they had, and saying to his staff, you're gonna have to work incredibly hard you're going to be incredibly dedicated. And if you're not willing to commit to that, go find another place to work. A little bit ironic right now because the tech industry is contracting along with the rest of the economy. And that means there isn't much other work in the tech industry. So for all those wokies at Twitter who are working short days with long privileges, sorry, best of luck to you now. So Musk is doing all this stuff. And I think one of the interesting things are that though he is getting so much grief from the left, from the blue hairs, the skittleheads who worked at Twitter and people like them, and from the radical mainstream left, he's getting all this grief. The word on the street inside Silicon Valley is, the bosses like it. And the investment brokers and investment bankers like it because what they're seeing is a guy coming in and being brutal and doing what a boss has to do to make sure a business is operating financially successfully. That's what Musk is doing. Uh, There's a term that's been coined there apparently in Silicon Valley now, which a lot of these investment banking folks are talking about. It's called bossism. The idea that the person who built the company, the person who's running the company, the person who's responsible for, for the financial results of the company should actually be in charge. Not some blue haired person in HR who decides what all the woke programs should be, how much DEI they should have, diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff they should, how much how much of this garbage should be infusing the company, but the guy who's in charge or the woman who's in charge, right? the staff, the few staff at the top of the company that actually are responsible for making sure that a corporation turns a profit and actually does the things that it's supposed to do. So what you hear on the streets in Silicon Valley is a bunch of the bosses rooting for Musk, not because of his politics, but because of what he's doing for business. Because ultimately this is coming to Wall Street and this is coming to Silicon Valley. And what I mean by that ultimately is that this ESG stuff by which they're judging companies based on how woke they are, this diversity, equity, inclusion stuff, all of it has to go by the wayside if we're gonna run successful businesses. And fundamentally what investment bankers are about is investing in things that actually work. And by work, I mean, turn a profit. I don't mean make a bunch of skittle headed, multicolored hair people with ambiguous genders happy and positive and feel safe when they go to work. I mean, companies that actually work and a working company is a company that functions and produces a profit. Produces a product and out that product. Product gets consumed by people who want the product because it's a good product and they produce profit. That's what a for-profit entity is supposed to do. So Musk is doing that now, much to the chagrin of the woke left, but I think much to the excitement of the bosses in silicon valley and beyond the investors in silicon valley and beyond who are celebrating again this new word i just heard called bossism so i think it's a really good thing i'm really excited about that i think watching musk do this and just be absolutely brutally he's, he's done this by the way uh, at spacex he's done it at tesla perform or you're out work hard or you're out be dedicated to the mission of the company or you're out this is how business is actually supposed to work it's pretty common sense but common sense has been thrown by the wayside in business as in everything else over the last couple of decades. looks like Musk might be the one man wrecking ball that can reverse this trend. I think that's pretty exciting stuff. Now, he is also, as you know, at Twitter in the war for free speech, and this is a big deal. He invested $44 billion in Twitter. I think that was way beyond its market value. But also think he's smart enough and what he looked at is he looked at the company, looked at the structure of the company and he said there are billions of dollars in savings to be had by cutting all of these useless employees, by cutting all of these useless perks and benefits. And so I think he valued the asset in a different way than most people do because I think he saw how much money he could save. If he slashed it to the bone, he thought it would still operate. He's sophisticated enough and he and his engineers to understand how it works and what it really takes to operate something like this. Not many people in the world would understand that, but I think he did. So I think he may have gotten a better value on the asset than most people realize. And I think he's investing that in free speech is, was one of his main purposes. I mean, he literally said he wasn't in it to make money. How much money does the guy need? He's the richest man on earth but he was investing in the idea of free speech, and we know that free speech is under assault in the country, and we know that preserving and restoring free speech isn't free. To Elon Musk, he wrote a $44 billion check to do that. You have a part to play in preserving free speech, and that's not free either. And I don't mean that it's necessarily gonna cost you money, though there is money to be spent on it even by the average person, like for example, I think you should subscribe to places like Daily Wire. I have their all access pass. This is not an advertisement for them. I'm not getting paid for this. I just say this because I spend my money there. I consume news and information there. I listen to the podcast. Probably even if I didn't, I would support them. I bought one of Jeremy's razors and I'm a subscriber to Jeremy's razors. Again, for the same reason, I'm supporting the cause, but I'm getting product out of it also. There's all kinds of other outlets like that Uh, PJ Media, Red State, Newsmax, all all of these places have subscription services. And you should subscribe to these things to whoever you support that you listen to, they're putting in that work. And so you have money that you can spend in the cause so that you can get the services, but you can get them from people that you believe in. I think this is important stuff that each of us spend our little bit. There are hundred million of us out there in the country. Imagine if each of us we're spending a dollar a day on the cause. It's $100 million a day into the cause. So that's one way that there is money to be spent in the cause. And, and free speech isn't free. But another way is just you speaking freely, even when there's a cost. And what I mean by that is you don't keep your mouth shut when somebody says dumb, woke stuff. When your family says dumb, woke stuff, you actually speak up and you fight back. There's a cost to you on doing that. You're going to cause friction in your family. When you're at church and the pastor says something that's crazy and woke, and you listen to your church going woke, and somehow your church is now talking about gay marriage or being open to abortion or whatever's going on in your church, there's a lot of woke stuff happening in churches. And you're the person who speaks up and goes and talks to the pastor ever afterwards and talks to your small group leader and rallies your friends to say this stuff is not okay. That's you exercising free speech, but there's going to be a cost to that. Right? And the cost is, People at your church might not like you. You might get asked to leave your church because they might say you're not aligned with their values. You might lose friends over this. And my point is that free speech is not free. There's a cost to it, right? Because you're going to say things that you believe that other people don't like and they may try to impose a cost on you. You may lose your job. We have somebody that's a grassroots person for Convention of States. Uh, I, I have so much admiration for her. Her name's Haley. I don't want to put her last name out there because I don't know how much she wants everybody to know the story probably is okay with it, but I didn't ask. So Haley is somebody who worked a job, I think for 17 years and was a top performer for her company and her company started going woke and her company demanded that she take the shot and she said no and she refused and she liked working for the company. You know, it was a job that she liked, that she was really good at, that was lucrative for her and she decided that she couldn't do it anymore. So she was willing to speak. She was willing to take a stand. And by doing so, she paid the price. Free speech isn't free. And she was willing to pay the price for free speech. So I think that's important that people are willing to do that. And I think this is part of being adaptable, by the way. And what I mean by it in this case is we are in a war right now for the future of our republic for our government for liberty and you know basic liberty and freedom in this country. Free speech being part of that. And the adaptability is, you know, normally I may not wanna rock the boat. I may not be kind of a person that wants to rock the boat. You may not be, I definitely am, but you may not be, that's okay. But sometimes you have to be adaptable. And because we're at war, what you do in a war is whatever you gotta do to win the war. Part of that is pay the price. So pay the price, support free speech portals, free speech outlets, free speech companies that have free speech kind of products, support all that stuff, and then speak freely and be willing to pay the price for telling the truth and speaking freely. I think this is really important. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. And now back to the show. You know, there's somebody in our country that's always felt comfortable to speak freely. And because of that, he became president of the United States and that is uh, President Donald Trump. And I admired what he did as president. Super impressive stuff. He spoke freely. I think he moved the Overton window, meaning moved the window of what is possible in politics in the United States of America. I think he did a lot of incredible stuff as president. I voted for him both times. I supported him. But man, and I'm I'm going to get tons of grief for this, by the way. I know I'm going to get grief. Some of you have already written to me because you say I don't, I haven't pledged enough fealty or allegiance to Donald Trump. But I'm just going to tell you, Like, I just think the guy's off the deep end. Yesterday, he released uh, what are called NFTs, non-fungible tokens. These are digital images uh, that you could buy, right? And then there's a trading market for these digital images. And the digital images came out with a face value of $99 a piece. And what they were, were Donald Trump trading cards. Now, I kid you not, you can go look at this if you haven't seen them. You know, one of them, the one that he used to promote it, he said he was gonna make a huge announcement yesterday. This was his huge announcement. The NFT trading card, the non-fungible token is a picture of him essentially as Superman. I mean, literally, he's in tights, you know, the hands on the hips, rippling muscles all over his body, the cape, the whole thing, right? With a big T on his chest for Trump, Donald Trump as superhero and $99, price tag on a cartoon of Donald Trump as a superhero. like That's self-parody, folks. Like That's not people making fun of Donald Trump. That's Donald Trump doing something that makes him look foolish as a human being. That's Donald Trump making money off of you. That's people who, I I try to imagine in the room when this thing happened, people said, oh, President Trump, it would be awesome if we made cartoons of you throughout your career and we could sell those for 99 bucks a piece. And you get 10% of that, which is is his kind of this scam. I think it's a, basically a scam. And he said, oh, that's a great idea. I mean, if he did, I don't, what's going on in there? I don't get that. You know, he's supposed to be a serious person running for president of the United States of America. That's This is not an opinion thing. That's just self-parody. And that doesn't make any sense to me. I had a whole bunch of people text me yesterday who are really diehard Donald Trump supporters. They love Donald Trump. They were supporting Donald Trump and his run for the presidency in 2024. And they said, we're out. Like, this is just crazy, insane stuff. And the reason I bring this up, one is I'm always going to be honest with you what I think about Trump or DeSantis or anybody else. You know, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. You don't have to agree with my opinion. And frankly, I'm more than okay if you don't. I'm totally okay with that. You guys can always write to me and tell me that you don't agree with my opinion. I, you know, I'm totally fine with that. You can write to us at battlecry at cosaction.com. But I'm going to tell you like I think it is. And I think this is bad stuff. I think it's destructive stuff. I think it's frankly crazy stuff. It, it seems like a scam to me just trying to get 99 bucks out of people's pockets. By these way these things trade openly, uh, I think they're down to 79 bucks. So if you somebody paid 99, they've now lost uh, 20 bucks on that deal. it's just, I don't get it. And by the way, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, the total value of the marketplace was 24 billion last year at this time, now it's about 2.4 billion. So that marketplace is down 90%. He's late to the game, even if you thought it was a good thing. Trump presents himself as a superhero in these. He's not a superhero, I'm sorry. You know, I said things are changing all the time, they are. One of the things that's changing is you're seeing students rise up at universities around the country. A lot of good organizations helping to make that happen, including Charlie Kirk and our friends over at TP USA. However, this is a story about students standing up on their own, and this is at U Pitt has now announced that they are launching some students a conservative newspaper over there, because apparently the Pitt newspaper is the pits. Shocking, right? And it is leftist, and it is woke, and no conservatives can get things published in there, and they get banned, and they get censored. And so they just decided to quit complaining, to be flexible and adaptable, and to do something about it. And so ISI, a nonprofit organization, is helping them with a grant. And they're standing up a conservative newspaper, super proud of those kids that pit then this is going to have to happen at universities all over the country i hope uh, isi is going to support this all over the country i think that would be a really good thing to see conservative newspapers on campuses and again remember i started this with adaptability the idea that you have to be prepared for change everything is changing and we can complain about the media or we can change what's going on in the media. And I think that's really important that that's our attitude is we're gonna change things, we're gonna do things, we're gonna be the media. Daily Wire is going out, they become a juggernaut, an empire of media, they're gonna continue to grow. And instead of whining about how unfairly we're treated in the media, they're gonna change it. Elon Musk, instead of whining about how Twitter treats everybody unfairly, he goes out and buys it. He puts it where his, his money, where his mouth is. We're gonna have to do that, all of us, all of ourselves, just like these students that you pit we be the media we buy the products we launch the products we be pro-american stop complaining right the complaining isn't going to do us any good stop complaining get off our butts and do the work and so i'm really proud of these students that you pit and anybody who's doing that stuff at any scale whether it's students that you pit launching a newspaper or whether it is somebody like elon musk spending 44 billion or all the executives in Silicon Valley watching Musk and quietly saying, way to go Musk, way to make bossism rise in the marketplace. So we had an interesting and incredible uh, event take place this week that almost nobody knows about, uh, not widely reported, and it will be, but it's not yet, but you'll get it first, which is earlier this week, I went and I sat down with Tucker Carlson and we recorded his one hour Tucker Carlson Today show the majority of about it of it is about convention of states so that's going to be great publicity for us i mean obviously tucker has great reach we did about 20 minutes of history and background a little bit of mine a lot on the tea party movement what i learned from going to washington dc and then the deep dive on convention of states and tucker loved it he said openly and outwardly that he is absolutely a supporter of convention of states I think one of the most interesting things that he said about convention estates is that for the last nine years, everywhere he goes, people want to talk to him about convention estates. And he said, a lot of people say they have a movement, but you really are a movement. And by you, he wasn't referring to me, he was referring to you, to all of you, to the grassroots who are out there who make this movement what it is. So the reason we got that interview is, you know, I had a chance to spend some time with Tucker a few weeks ago, talk to him about COS. But the real reason that we got that interview. Is because he's been seeing you across the country for years, and he knows this must be something legitimate. So I think that's really important to know. You're making a difference every day. You're adaptable. You're flexible. I appreciate you guys for doing that. You allow these things to happen. All right, we're going to go to our Q&A portion of the uh, day today, and we've got, I think, three questions today. Remember, you can put your questions in at cosaction.com. Or you can actually upload a video if you want to be famous, if you want to be seen. Uh, keep it, say, 30 to 60 seconds max, conventionofstates.com forward slash battlecry. Or again, email them, battlecry at cosaction.com. So Ken Wiley says, is there a convention of states in corrupt California? I'll work. And the answer is yes, yes, and triple yes. One of our largest grassroots contingents in America is operating in California. We got good leadership there. Go to conventionofstates.com sign the petition and then click on the take action tab and volunteer and somebody from the California team will contact you and they will put you to work and we absolutely need you. Bill McDowell says, I know COS can take marriage away from the feds, but where do they find this power anyway? Where they find it Bill is unfortunately, it was granted by the United States Supreme Court. It does not exist in my opinion. And so this is something that we can definitely, we could theoretically limit in a convention of states the reality is most of the power that the feds say they have was granted to them not in the united states constitution it's not in the enumerated powers where it's found is in interpretations of the united states supreme court especially over the last 115 years a lot of it in broad interpretations of commerce clause power and so we need to limit the scope and the reach of the commerce clause as interpreted by the supreme court we can definitely do that in a convention of states uh, David Behoff says, "Is a convention of states, the first step to fixing our representative republic is the next step rewriting bad legislation. You know, David, I think it's kind of all of the above all at once. And so here's what I want you to understand about convention of states that I think is really important, which is convention of states is about much more than a convention. What we're doing is we are recruiting, motivating, training, and then helping to put in action the largest self-governing grassroots army in American history. If you're in, you're already part of that. And what do I mean when I say that, that broader thing? I mean, a convention of states is about calling a convention of states, proposing amendments, and ratifying those amendments, but that's not enough. So we need people like you working at every level of our system of governance, working on the school boards, working on city councils and county boards and water boards and ag commissions, County commissions, working in the party apparatus, working their way up into state legislatures, ultimately into Congress and and taking over the entire government. We need to restore self-governance in America. What it means to be a self-governing citizen is, first of all, take responsibility for yourself, right? Jordan Peterson says in the 12 rules, clean your room. Right? Clean your bedroom, take care of yourself first, get your life in order. And so that's number one. Number two, it means taking care of your family, being responsible for your family. Number three, in your worship community, your church or your synagogue, in your broader community, in the schools, in service organizations, then your city, your county, your state. Like That's what self-governing means. It's on you to do all of those things. You, I mean, broadly, you, obviously not individual one individual is going to do everything, but it's incumbent on all of us as self-governing citizens to run the system of governance. We can't opt out of it and send it to, quote unquote, experts. And we see how that's worked out for us. And so I would say COS isn't the next step or the first step. It's just one of many steps. So that's why Convention of States is involved in all this stuff. We're involved in Get Out the Vote. We're involved in actual election activity we had a whole bunch of our people get elected to legislatures all across the country in this last cycle. As we go into 2023, two states are going to have important elections, Virginia and New Jersey, we're going to be involved in both of those states as those elections come up. So we're doing all of these things. We're going to be involved in ballot harvesting in the states where that's legal. We're going to be involved in getting out the vote early in the however early it's available because we're going to have to get better at that if constitutional conservatives are going to win offices. So all of that stuff is important. That's a long way of saying a convention of steps, not necessarily a convention of states, not necessarily the first step, but it is one step among many in order to restore the republic. And that's what we're here. That's what we're all about. That's what I'm committed to. By the way, if you hear friends, neighbors, people on the radio say America's over, we should give up, do me a favor. Remind them of George Washington during the American Revolution at this time of year. Right now, at Valley Forge, with his men at Valley Forge who were starving to death, where over 2,000 of them died of disease and famine, where they were literally eating shoe leather to stay alive. They were in the snow, no blankets, no warm clothes, without their shoes. And remember that at that time, George Washington did not say, it's over, and give up even when he didn't have the support he needed from the Continental Army or the people of the United States of America, where he couldn't get the supplies. He did not give up. He did not say it was over. In fact, he planned one of the most daring battles in the history of warfare, certainly in the history of the American Revolution, that was to cross the Delaware on Christmas night and go into Trenton to take the Hessians by surprise and win the pivotal battle turning the course of the American Revolution. When it looks like all is lost, the great patriots stand. As Thomas Paine said, we don't need summer soldiers and sunshine patriots. The great thanks of our nation is and will always be due to those like you who stand when things might look dark. So again, remember, be flexible, be adaptable, have a great holiday season. God bless you guys. I love you, and we'll see you sometime soon on the Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.